Shut up and sit down. Guys, how many coffees a day is too much? <laughs> is seven before lunch going a bit over the top? I think it might be. And <laughs> that's my current tally this morning. So I think I've got to tail things off a little bit, claw them back a little bit, maybe switch to the tea or something else because uh, I'm going a little overboard with the coffee and I think it's starting to fuck my stomach up a little bit. But uh, but nevertheless, that's my problem. Um, welcome to the show, guys. We're on episode 38 today and keeping it moving through the week uh, and looking forward to a big weekend uh, this weekend, not for any other reason, but there's a huge fight card, which we touched on um, at the end of the last episode. Big, big event. Uh, the embeddeds have started coming out, which is great. <clears throat> and it just reinforces how much I don't like Colby Covington so far. Um, yeah, he's just so fake. But uh, I wanted to start today with something that I've seen happen the past over the past week that just made me think of like unsaid things, unspoken rules of kind of societal interaction that, you know, kind of go without saying that you don't do. Um, and I, I've seen a few of these over the past week, and it just seems like I've been hit with them, hit with them, hit with them. I'm, I'm just like, what the fuck? Why, why do I keep seeing this shit? And how come people don't know better? Um, one of the things is talking on public transport with your, on your cell phone, but with the speaker on. I mean, I don't even know where this comes from or how this got established, but clearly this is unacceptable in every sense of the word like you don't have it's bad enough if the person is not on speakerphone and you're yelling at them and i don't understand how we haven't figured out what a normal tone of voice is and a normal volume level of voices when talking on a on a cell phone it's really weird to me um but somehow some way we haven't managed to grasp this in all of the developments and all of the use of technology that we have we haven't figured out how to control the volume of our voice in public whilst on a cell phone we still think that that person is going to have trouble hearing us like for some reason or another and we yell but just recently i've seen this i've seen quite a few instances of of it, it's been women mostly um in this kind of three occurrences I've seen this week uh, where they've got their, the person that they're talking to on speaker and they're yelling into the phone. So there's an, a two way conversation that's just being broadcast to everybody else. And just, and I was only on the bus for a very, very short period of time and they came on after me and started this. Um, and I had my headphones on, but I could hear it over my headphones. So I switched the music off and then heard uh, kind of how it was all going down. And I just thought, how do you think that this is okay? In, in, what, in what scenario is this all right? I don't even talk on speaker at home when I'm on my own. I mean, sometimes I do maybe if I'm cooking and, and my wife calls or whatever, but not generally. 
But on public transport where there's a hundred people on a bus and you just think it's okay to be like elevating your voice and talking at such a pitch and then having the other person come through the speaker. It's just very, very, very strange to me. The other, the other thing that I've seen happen, and it's only happened once this week, but I've happened, I've seen it happen at least, I want to venture maybe 10 times in the, in the sort of 10 years that I've been in London, but that's like once a year. And that's kind of weird for this to occur, to, 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 to see this once every year. And what I'm talking about is somebody, again, on public transport that has their sock off and is clipping their toenails. I've seen this where it's specifically the toenails, but I've also seen people clipping their hand nails on public transport and just click discarding them click discarding them and i'm i mean this one it's fucking disgusting right but two what's the thinking here i mean this is taking like chicks doing their makeup on public transport to a whole nother fucking level you're doing personal grooming and clipping your toenails on the fucking subway were you in that much of a rush like, to me, it's gross. I'm just waiting for somebody to grab a hold of their ankle and bring that foot up to their mouth and start chewing on one of their fucking corns. But, I mean, some of these people, it's hilarious. And I just I just don't get it. So I've seen that. I, I've seen people talking like this on their phones and someone clipping their toenails in the last week. And to me, it's just fucking, it's just fascinating the, the level of misunderstanding that people have about social interactions. But, you know, it's kind of amplified more so in, in some of the other interactions that we're seeing, some of the more controversial actions that we're seeing. Um, <coughs> but I just, I just, I didn't know how, I didn't know how I was going to start the episode. And then this just kind of came flooding back to me that I'd seen these weird fucks this, this week. And, uh, and it just boggles my mind. And maybe it was maybe it was this morning that I saw somebody walking down the street and they were like yelling into their phone at like six in the morning. And it, it's just just really really fucking peculiar. Anyways, just complete tangent of no real reason, but um, yeah, just very very strange. Um, so I checked out the Kanye album, the new Kanye album. Um, Kanye West was set to bring out an album a few weeks ago. And then he had his episode at the TMZ headquarters, if you've seen that. And from there, what it seems like is whatever album or music he had ready to go at that point, he scrapped it and started over. So effectively, he's put this album together in, what, three weeks, maybe four weeks, something like that. And... It shows. I mean, it is it is seven tracks of absolutely nothing. It. I mean, okay. Take all the messaging you want. I get it. You wanna you wanna have a look into that, and you wanna you wanna dig a bit deeper or what have you. Um, the first song is yes. I thought yesterday I thought about killing you, and like one of the repetitive lines in the song is. I think about killing myself and I love myself a hell of a lot more than you do. So why would you be surprised that I was, that I thought about killing you yesterday? 
I mean, what are we doing here? You're, you're supporting a mentally ill person who's calling their ramblings art and is trying to convince the world that they are something inspired and something revolutionary and, and something unique in a way that is expressive and like clairvoyant and, and just just a whole bunch of shit from a person that now that they're off their medication, this guy's like, ah, it's not a, it's not a disability. It's not a mental illness. It's a superpower. And I get where he's coming from. I get the message that he's trying to portray. I understand that, but this is almost voices in the head type of crazy from him, in my opinion. And I know, okay, we got to be sensitive to mental health, mental health and mental illness. And I get that. I completely get that. And I am sensitive. I'm, I'm very sensitive to, 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 to people who suffer um, with mental illness. But this is more directed at his team, how much control they have in terms of what he's doing, um, his health and well-being, because he's not, he's not well. He's not well. And you can see it on his face when he does interviews. He's not well at all. And to me, that translates through the music, quite frankly, because like I said, it's seven tracks. I listened to it. Um, I listened to it yesterday in the gym, and then I listened to it again this morning in the gym. And it's really difficult to get through, actually. It's really difficult. And I, I'm not saying that a guy has to stay in his lane. I like the fact that Kanye was changing his style and changing the music that he brought to us kind of album after album. But somewhere... Maybe the loss of his mother, I don't know. It's all speculation to me, but something happened and now we're seeing the result of mental illness manifested and unabated by a strong kind of family unit that monitors this stuff and looks after someone's well-being, makes sure they're taking medication if necessary. And, you know, he's come off it and all of a sudden he's like, I'm free. And, and I get that. And I... You know, I'm I'm not for prescription drugs at all, but they do have their place and sometimes they do work. And I don't want Kanye numb, but I don't want his mental illness to dictate his entire thought process and not have it checked like it's some sort of a a revolutionary free speech movement or a you know, a, an awakening that the rest of us haven't like been behind. Like everybody knows like love is the way everybody gets that. Like everybody understands that it's not that it's the chaos that surrounds the other things that you're doing. But the album itself is barely listenable, barely listenable. And of course, <laughs> Of course, music is subjective, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's in the, it's in the ear of the beholder, I suppose. Um, but for me, it's just a, it's just a fall from, it's a fall from creative grace. I don't see anything really creative about it that, that strikes me as like, oh, wow, he's, you know, he's actually utilizing this quote unquote superpower he says he has because I contrast it with something, and again, music is subjective and to each their own. Some people like country music, whatever. Some people like folk and polka and whatever the fuck, right? Completely up to you, but I'm talking 
as a fan of rap and as of uh, of hip hop and R and B and urban music and 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 having grown up on it and been listening to it for you know goddamn near thirty years. Um, I listened to that and then I listened to the J. Cole album or I listened to the Black Thought um, uh, Streams of Thought album that he collaborated with the Ninth with Ninth Wonder on. Um, you know, I listened to Pusha T, Daytona, you know, I mean, these are these are better versions of what hip hop is today, what rap music is today. Um I can only describe the Ye album as kind of ramblings, ramblings. And if you want to draw meaning from them, then again, you know, music is subjective. You do what you need to do. Um, I get that's fine, but in my personal opinion, it's uh, it's a warning sign of uh, of a fall into mental health being unchecked. Maybe I'm being dramatic on it, but I don't know. That's just what I took from it. And staying with maybe the me being too dramatic, where the fuck is Melania Trump? <laughs> right? Like, this woman has not been seen or heard from in like a month. And everybody's like, "Oi, did she uh, did she get a smackdown for having a good time with Obama and them? Because that was around the last time anybody saw her. And, uh, and she put out a tweet that was eerily similar to the vernacular that, uh, that Mr. Donald uses as well. So it makes one wonder. And of course, the conspiracy theorists come out in droves saying she's she's recovering from a beatdown and she's been killed. And that's why he's come out and said he can pardon himself and da 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 da. And it's just it's just fucking crazy. But it would be nice to see her. It would be nice to see her just to just to tick the box and say, yeah, there she is. She's fine. She actually isn't in a hole in the desert somewhere or buried under the extension of Mar Largo. You know, but um, yeah, the conspiracy theorists have come out in drones on this one. Love it. Love to speculate. It's like, what's the point? What are we speculating? Nobody's doing any investigative work on this. Nobody, you know, nobody's actually like looking for her. And, you know, they've got no PIs on the case and stuff like that. This is just speculation because she hasn't been around. Maybe she said to him, go fuck yourself. I want a divorce. I'm out of here. I don't know, I'm not doing any more public appearances with your ass. Who knows? Maybe she's been ill. Who knows? But it would be nice to see her. I mean, let's be honest. She is the first lady of America. And uh, she's already been, it's already been announced that she won't be traveling with him uh, to these overseas summits that he's got coming up. Uh, I think one's in Germany and I think the other is the North Korea one or whatever. But if that even happens, uh, but where the fuck is she? Where the fuck is she? Normally she's a bit more present. Um, but yeah, the conspiracy theorists have come out. I just would, I'm just curious. Um, it was the tweet that did it for me. It was like, you know, are they just trying to fuck with us now? Um, or what, what exactly is going on? Because they did use very, very similar, similar, um, similar wordings and similar phrasings 
in like comparing Trump's tweets to to her tweet after people were speculating she'd gone missing or wondering where she was. But that could be easily mimicked, easily, you know, explained away. Um, it's just curious. That's all. It's just curious because she, she, you know, she's not the most public, but she's she's fairly public and she's got her own, I guess, things that she's working on. What was her initiative? Be best. Be best. Like, do better. Do fucking better, please. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just I. I think it's just curious, um, and obviously he's he's come out in his uh, in his usual subtle manner saying that you know he could he could absolutely pardon himself if needed be, but he doesn't have to because he hasn't done anything wrong. But if he needed to, he absolutely has the right to pardon himself. And I'm not a constitutional lawyer, or you know even an expert on the Constitution of America, of the United States, but I'm guessing that the founders of America who wrote the Constitution wrote it specifically with a tyrannical uprising or tyrannical monarch head of leadership type. I think they wrote it with those type of people in mind so that power wasn't concentrated into the hands of solely one person or a lineage or dynasty based on family and you know that's kind of what america was established against right was against the monarchy it was against absolute rule it was against effectively dictatorship so i'm not sure he can pardon himself and maybe a pardoning of oneself or the attempt to pardon oneself in that position would lead to an immediate impeachment because if you didn't then effectively you're allowing the uprising of a of an auto uh, of a dictator right it becomes an autocracy an autocracy right that you cannot have But it's very, very curious to understand or to at least peer into the mind of someone who has the nerve and audacity to make a claim like that. Especially when they've done nothing but claim their innocence. But yet having dirt uncovered on them to the contrary of that every step of the way. Right? Like Paul Manafort, right? He's just been caught trying to influence, um, was it Russians or witnesses in the Russian investigation or something like that? Or, and, and communicating with them through private messaging, like encrypted messaging, like Wicker and, you know, different things like this. He's now admitted that he dictated a letter or wrote a letter that was supposed to have been written by Donald Trump Jr. in which he and his press secretary denied any involvement in and then and then walked that back step by step until now they're caught in a lie. An absolute 
hand in the cookie jar, lie. And if you pay any attention to this, you'll, you'll see what the response was last night. And it was, go talk to his lawyers from Sarah Huckabee Stan Sanders. What the fuck are you even there for? Because at this point, you're not even a distraction piece or a lead them down this path rather than this path mechanism anymore. You're just up there flat out saying, meh, talk to them, talk to them, meh, we're not, ta we're not talking about it anymore, meh, talk to them, talk to them. Like, there's absolutely zero point. And by the way, they've been getting shorter since the beginning of the year. And I think it was the New York Times has said if it continues, uh, if, if the press briefings continue to get shorter at this rate, that they will effectively be non-existent by November. Now, I don't necessarily see that happening, but their willingness to just ignore the press, feed them false information, feed them lies, then walk it back and have zero accountability towards any of these false statements and these false, like this false information they claim to be facts, to have no, to have no mechanism which to hold these guys accountable other than showing them for the fucking liars they are. But I mean, like nobody even does anything about it. It's like on to the next thing. Trump and the Philadelphia Eagles will not be the Philadelphia Eagles will not be attending the White House to meet President Trump. They decided that. The Philly Eagles decided that. But then Trump takes to Twitter and he says, oh, well, uh, we invited the Eagles to come, but only a few could make it. Um, so it's not happening anymore. And then also... Uh, it's really disrespectful that any of them would kneel and protest uh, during the national anthem. Really sad. Like he had something to do with it or that that was the reason. Because if you fact check it, none of them took a knee. None of the Philadelphia Eagles took a knee. I think there were two overt, semi-overt protests by two players on two occasions and that was it. None of these guys ever kneeled. Yet he throws that in there as a, fuck you, this is, you know, I'm the one. When he's clearly not. But it's a distraction piece. It's, just a, it's a distraction piece from the fact that the, the economy steadily ticking along is a false narrative. It's a distraction piece from the fact that uh, children are, even though the news report said the 1,475 kids, of which I said it was 1,495, the 1,475 kids were separated from their parents at the border, which was not true, and I cleared that up, which has now been cleared up across the news cycle. Um, however, there are being kids taken from their parents at the border and separated at the border. That is absolutely the case, but it's not those 1,476 kids. But this is a distraction piece from a bad immigration policy. This is a distraction piece from the fucked up summit that he's trying to negotiate with a person that ultimately neither of these guys are capable of negotiating um, a strong, long-lasting foreign policy peace agreement. It's just not going to happen, right? It'd be amazing if it did. And like I said, his credit for any involvement in this deserves to be siloed and given accordingly. But this thing hasn't happened, may not happen, and we'll see what happens after even if it does take place, we'll see what happens afterwards. But it's a complete fucking mess. 
and this is a distraction piece from it. So is the Melania stuff, right? So is the, but the Philadelphia Eagle stuff is as well. Um, it's a distraction piece from all of the tariffs that he's imposed on his allies whilst taking it easier on non-allies. This is a distraction piece from the retaliation of the other countries and their imposing of uh, countermeasures and, and tariffs the other way, which could potentially do some serious harm to the American economy, but also to the global economy as well. But this is a distraction piece. All of these things are distraction pieces from these main issues that he throws so many at them that they can't disseminate or they try, they they get lost in the mix. And I'm sorry, but these press briefings, people have to start shouting this cunt down because she's an ignorant bitch. She's been fucking rude and menacing to too many of these journalists too many times. And they need to stand up for themselves and they need to stand together. I've said it before, man. They need to come in force and not let her off the hook. If she says she's moving on and not addressing a subject, the next one needs to run the question back until she does answer it. And if she moves on from them, run it back again from the next guy. There needs to be that level of solidarity in the media, and it's just not there. The fragmentation is causing everything to get convoluted and everything to get lost in the mix. It becomes a cyclone, and you can't tell the real stuff from the dust and debris the things that you should be saving versus the dust and the debris. So they need to go harder at her and they need to go harder at him because right now they're not. I don't think anyways. And people out there need to be more disseminating in terms of the information that they're taking on and stop with false equivalency like saying, oh, if, um, if the New York Times gets a fact wrong, then that makes them no better than Breitbart News or Fox News. That's false equivalency, right? That's like saying um, somebody who says something harmful is like a Nazi when they're not. They're just like a conservative, Right. You can't you got you can't call somebody a Nazi because you won't recognize a Nazi. It's false equivalency. You can't call Jordan Peterson Hitler, Milo Yiannopoulos Hitler. It's false equivalency. You're doing it. But by doing it, you're actually bringing down the actual terrible thing. You're not elevating that person up to the level of 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 terrible of the comparison that you're drawing, you're actually bringing the significance of that atrocity or that person that caused those atrocities, you're bringing that severity down. Right? You don't bring the New York Times, like, you can't have the New York Times and Breitbart or Fox News on the same level just because the New York Times might have gotten a fact wrong. When Breitbart and Fox make up stories, they're not the same thing. And drawing false equivalency makes the whole thing untenable. We can't have dialogue 
we can't have dialogue if that's the case. So we need to stop doing that because what it does, false equivalency, right? False equivalency allows like a social media type of criticism of journalism versus like false statements and propaganda. You're bringing something down to the level of something else, right? You're not bringing the other thing up. The New York Times is not as bad as Breitbart. You're making, you're making Breitbart acceptable like the New York Times is by, by doing that, by chastising them the same way you should be chastising a Breitbart or a Fox News. It's false equivalency. You can't have that. It's detrimental. So need to go hard because when he makes a statement like he can pardon himself i mean what what other warning signs do we need that this is going completely in the wrong direction he's one based off of identity politics and identity politics is a fad that is being just run rampant by the ideological left and imposed on other members who aren't as left as them and bringing them into the frame of of the alt-right it's identity politics and it's not good for anybody the more the more we run on <coughs> identity politics and group thinking the worse off we're going to be and the harder it'll be for us to get out of the shit that we're in. Because unless we start acting and thinking like individuals with critical thinking and open-mindedness and an ability to accept the fact that we might be wrong and accept the fact that we can and will change our minds if the evidence proves us wrong, that's the only way we get anywhere out of this. It's the only way. Because as long as we subscribe to being in a tribe, we will be dictated by the thought of a group and unable to do the thinking that is necessary to clear the haze and see clearly what the future should be rather than what it's going to be if we continue this kind of thinking. So that's all I wanted to say on that because um, it's really disturbing when 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 a president comes out and, and declares that he is effectively above the law. Be careful. Be very, very careful because, you know, unchecked narcissism like this can turn very dangerous. And it seems like nobody in the party that he belongs to or represents currently is willing to stand up to him. So for people in America, the midterm elections are critical for your for the next stage of your of your political landscape, in my opinion. And the Democrats absolutely need to win seats in the House to take back the majority. If you don't, it's going to be it's going to be a long six years. Because he will win again. And this behavior will get worse. It will continue and it will escalate. And he's managed to do this in 18 months. Think about the things that he's managed to do in 18 months when nobody, when everybody was like, ah, you know, president doesn't have that much authority. Really? Really? Look what he has done. 
from the EPA scale back of regulations that's contributing to a quote unquote booming economy, which is bullshit, by the way, um, taking no long standing view on on environmental protection, on the future of trade partnerships, of foreign policy, of ally relationships, never mind mending broken fences, but keeping the fences that you have up maintained doesn't care about anything. He's alienated countries on both your borders and across the world, continues to disrupt the economy globally, has been offensive and alienating to the most downtrodden, vulnerable people that the country has to offer, has tried to restrict people from serving for their country because of the lifestyle that they choose based on sexuality, this guy is a fucking nightmare. And now he's just claimed in public, in print, that he cannot be prosecuted because he can pardon himself. He has a get out of jail free card that he reserves for his usage whenever it suits him best. How many more fucking warning signs do you guys need that you need to get up off of your ass, get vocal, get active, and fucking do something about this? Because the pendulum's going to swing no matter what. It's just how long you're willing to put up with it going the way that it is right now and what it looks like when the pendulum starts swinging back. Because if you don't stick a pin in it, it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. And you don't want to see the opposite reaction because it will at least be equal when it does come back the other way. You're seeing this in the tech sector. You're seeing this with Facebook. You're seeing this because of a blatant disregard to give any transparency or concrete answers or, 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 or any show of concern that means anything about data protection. I mean, Apple have just come out at the Worldwide Developer Conference yesterday and said, we will be tracking all of Facebook across the web. So any of that tracking that Facebook does, if you use Safari, which is going to make me go back to Safari because right now I use Chrome on my mobile. Um, but unless Google come out and, and announce something similar, I'll be leaving Chrome as well and going back to Safari because Safari have said or Apple have said that during Safari, they will now shut down Facebook tracking across the web on that app. Right. And it's in direct competition with Facebook. Of course, they don't want Facebook getting any market share or any any stronger than they already are. But they're also positioned as a Apple, that is, as a privacy first company, the most private protecting privacy protecting company out there from a tech perspective. Right. That's what they claim. That's what they claim. And this is a show of that, I think, in the right direction, because at the end of the day, fuck Facebook, fuck them tracking you, tracking your friends who aren't even on the platform or may not be um, engaged in the platform, but being able to pull critical data from across the web by retargeting. Fuck you. How about that? And this is my business. Advertising and retargeting and serving people messages based on data. This is what I do every fucking day. But that doesn't mean that I like it or that I think it should be egregiously uh, acted upon just because it can or just because you can write a contract or a privacy policy that people don't have the inclination, the intelligence or the time to read. That's gross. And I hope GDPR fucks them as severely as it possibly can because they need to know. 
and Google does too. Someone said that the potential penalties for these companies is $10 billion a year. Yet we're still wondering what they're doing with our data, even after GDPR is kicked in. So what are they doing to protect my data with this new regulation? What are Facebook doing to adhere to it? And what, what are the penalties? And how will they be levied if they're shown to not be compliant with this regulation? Those are important questions. When do those kick in? Are we live now? Because I'm pretty sure they're still taking my fucking data, even though I've changed my privacy policy. So who's the checks and balances here? Who, who's checking this stuff? Who's holding them accountable? I'm sure there's a team, but how big are they? So there's questions to answer, and I need to look into it a little bit more, but I don't feel confident this regulation is going to hold any weight with companies that can outpay the fines. But we'll see what happens. But I think this is a good measure from Apple. You know, I know Apple gives my data away too. I know they collect my data and all of that stuff, but okay. If you're willing to stop other people from taking it, that, that's a positive to me. That's a positive to me. And I think where we go with this is very much taking Apple and Facebook as the contrast of where maybe the internet can go. Because I think more and more people are going to fight back against privacy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are just fucking ignorant and, and don't care what happens with their data. But something inside me feels like there's going to be a kickback on this. And then it moves into a conversation about how the internet exists going forward. Will it exist on a pay-for basis? Or will it occupy an advertising space now, right? So you've got Apple that does subscription model services paid for services and then you've got Facebook who runs from a what I would say 80 to 90 percent if not more that's where their money comes from it comes from advertising and the only way their advertising is worth a goddamn with two billion people is if they have all your data and they can use it to target adverts at you if not if they don't have any of that data we are all the same thing we are a human silhouette with no gender no touch points basically don't know how old you are don't know where you live well they'll always know where you live because they can track your ip address but they shouldn't be able to um where you live what your gender how old you are what your interests are what you post the context of your post the tone of your posts uh where you're born who your friends are what your activities are everything you can imagine right Without that, you are a black silhouette with no face and no attributes. And to an advertiser, that means fuck all. And that's Facebook's business model. So if you take that away, what happens? Facebook goes away or they open up a subscription model. Or they make whatever remnant advertising money they can just off of sheer volume and scale of coverage, which would still be significant money. Of course, still be significant money, but it wouldn't be anywhere near the amount of money that they could make now, especially from a hyper local perspective with small businesses and things like that, where you can target, say, you know, 10 miles around your house if you have a local business and promote it to an exact audience with exact interests. Um, 
if that goes away, it's worthless. It becomes, I want to target, it, right now it is, I want to target females between 18 and 23 years old uh, that live in London, that are interested in exercising, that are interested in diet, that are interested in well-being, that exercise um, and live within, I don't know, whatever, give another fucking parameter, versus you can hit 100,000 people or 200,000 people or say 6.5 million people in London. That's it. It's very rudimentary versus very granular. And people pay premiums for granular, obviously. Right? If you've got... If you want to promote the UFC, you're going to look for a male demographic between 18 and 35. Right? And if you've got an event where you want to sell tickets in London, you're going to hyper-local focus it to London. Then you're going to look for interests in terms of MMA, fans of the UFC page or a Bellator page or whatever versus maybe I want to hit men in London. You see how the value of that is different? So obviously there would be a lot less investment in the last in the latter model, right? Clearly. So what would Facebook's option be? Well, it would either be to reduce their stock price because they can't sell as much advertising and they don't have the scalable opportunity that they once had if all that data goes away or they move to a subscription model. How many people would pay for Facebook? I don't know. But how much, if you would pay for Facebook, how much would you pay for it? Because me, I would just do a massive data dump and leave. It's as simple as that. And their problem is not with my age group. Their problem is, is with younger people. Younger people find Facebook stale, let alone the data that they're siphoning off of people. That doesn't even come into the question, I think, for, for most kids in the 18 to 24 year old age group that are leaving Facebook or even younger that are leaving Facebook. They just think it's a stale platform with, you know, a boring algorithm, which I also agree with. So would you pay for Facebook? I've asked this question before on the podcast, but it's relevant. It's relevant, especially now that Apple have taken such a significant step in stopping the targeting ability and the tracking ability that Facebook will have across iOS. It means iOS users are now off limits for or will be off limits for Facebook targeting. They will not be able to serve those cookies that follow you around the Internet that pull all the data from this websites you visit and the activity that you do on those websites, the pages that you visit, etc. If you're doing that on Safari going forward. Facebook won't be able to track it. And that's a hugely significant part of their audience because not only do a lot of people use iPhones or iPads or Safari on desktop, but they're also seen, Apple users by the market standard are seen as more valuable than Android users are because they're seen as more affluent, uh, more tech savvy, uh, more discerning shoppers, willing to spend more on purchases that they see that they see as important. There is a whole profile around iOS and the users of iOS that people aren't even aware of. 
right? Unless you spend time in the advertising game. But that's a huge part for Facebook. So again, it goes down this kind of slippery slope. You've got a young demographic that's leaving. That's your long tail audience. That's your growth over years versus a group of folks that you won't be able to reach anymore because of an outside company taking a restrictive policy on targeting those users. So that could be anybody, any age range. That just matters about device. So you've got a profile restriction problem where young people are leaving the platform. Then you've got a technological restriction where a competitive company that is as big, if not bigger than you in terms of financial power, bigger than you in financial terms, actively blocking you from their service. Like this is a major problem for Facebook. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how they'll address it. I think actually maybe they're far, they're, they're too far down the well already. I think they've, they haven't done enough to mend the trust issues that they had with their users. The data breaches that have happened over the past couple of months and are guaranteed still ongoing and are probably too innumerable in terms of past occurrences to even start investigating. I just don't think they've done anywhere near enough to, 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 to quell the concerns of the users. And I don't think they have any trust anymore. And I don't think they can get it back. Because it's a stand you have to take wholeheartedly. And based on anything that you know about the advertising business model, they absolutely cannot take it too far in terms of protecting your data. Because if they do, they won't make any money. Simple as that, really. So it's a pay versus advertising. It's a subscription versus an advertising argument in terms of what will end up winning. What will end up winning the internet? And it's like I've talked about with BBC before. Should we not just let the market dictate? You know, I'm asking. Should the market dictate? Should the market dictate whether BBC stays around or not? Should they open it up to a subscription model or an advertising model? One way we will find out if this thing is a viable entity is if you open it up to the free market. Stop forcing people to pay for it, right? It's slightly different in terms of Facebook because Facebook is a pay or pay or spray type of a mechanism, right? Pay for Facebook or get sprayed with advertising. Right now, the BBC is forcing people, uh, you know, we're being forced to pay for the BBC through our TV license. I think personally it should be opened up to a commercial model or a subscription model, and that's it. But don't force me to pay for something that I barely fucking use, right? Give me the choice. Give me the choice on what, how I want to consume it or if I want to consume it at all. And I think this is maybe where we're going with, with services on the internet. Either you're going to have to pay for the ones you want to use or you're going to have to put up with irrelevant advertisers, advertising that floods your screen all the time in a much more gross, intrusive way, or you give all over, you give all your data over to them and then you get to see personalized ad in a much more streamlined way. I mean, those are really the only fucking options, I think, personally. Um, honestly, I think... I, I mean, it's a tough one, right? Because 
Is a subscription model sustainable for a business that produces content? I don't know. So like, <coughs> like when does when does Netflix hit uh, critical mass? And then what? You know, like, is a 5% increase in subscriptions annually enough to sustain the business, the shareholders, uh, the growth aspirations, the content production, all of that stuff? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know the numbers. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of talking out loud here because it's a subject that matters because it's, it's our data. But also it's the services that we are A, either made to pay for, B, they're free, or C, we choose to pay for them. Personally, I like C. I like to choose what I pay for. Like I don't mind paying for Spotify because it's convenient for me to use it in the gym. It is a service I use almost every single day. I'm fine with that. Now, will I pay 20 quid a month for it? Nope, absolutely not. There's a price point top out there. And I think personally, I'm pretty much at it, right? Like a tenner a month, that's it for me. Netflix, same thing, same thing. I like having it, I like I like it, I like its availability, although the content on Netflix is fucking terrible for the most part. There are some good things in there and it's a service that I like to have because normal TV is so terrible, right? But if Netflix was 20 quid a month, fuck off. I'm not paying for it, no way, no way. Right? It's, um, I mean, I don't even know what other subscriptions that I have. Spotify. Yeah, I think that's it. But is a paid model sustainable? Don't know. Maybe you have to have both. But maybe you can do it in such a way that you don't have to give all your personal data away. Or you just choose a very basic level of data, like an even playing field of internet data that is allowed to be shared. You know? Like sex, date of birth, location, or something like that. That evens it out, right? That gives advertisers an opportunity to hit genders in an age range in a location. That's fucking all you need, really. And then if you don't want that stuff, then you have to pay for it. I, it's kind of what's happening. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I think Facebook's in a lot of trouble. Even though tech stocks have gone up recently, um, I just I, I see them as I see them as, um, them as potentially in, in, in quite a bit of trouble. Um, the other, I guess the other people making a, making a uh, not so smooth segue, the other people that are in trouble, um, switching gears slightly, Londoners do have something, you know, tangible to worry about because they've, they seem to be looking to pass a resolution or passing a, a law or a or a bill or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Basically, Heathrow is going to get another runway, and they have said so rude to yawn on the podcast. Um, they have said that it will be ready by twenty thirty, so twelve years to build this runway. 
and it's going to take it from something like uh, I think they said 83 million flights to 130 million flights a year or something like that. Now, okay, from a business point of view, you're like, ah, oh, that makes them a fucking shit ton of money. Uh, they're going to add jobs there, you know, the construction jobs, the jobs to run, you know, the extra traffic that goes through uh, the terminal, et cetera, et cetera, right? The, uh, the ability to bring more people into the UK or transport them uh, onto other places in the world has got to be good for business, right? And yeah, it has to be. I think it is. However, London surpassed its emissions uh, level kind of quota for the year in like the first three days of this year. So we have a massive air pollution problem in this country that's exacerbated massively by the fact that we have four or five airports in this area, in the city or on the outskirts of the city. Not to mention the, you know, 10 million people that live here, um, you know, a, a great number of which drive every day. And it's in a very small concentrated area. So we have terrible air quality in London. Let's not have any bones about it. And let's, there's no fucking debate about it. You can go onto the, onto the, um, <coughs> onto the internet and check the weather quality uh, in your area. You just stick in your postcode and it'll bring you up basically a fucking heat map of you know, the air quality in your area. And I think you'll be surprised um, quite unpleasantly at how bad things are right in your area. And it's like, oh, well, my street's like a green or a yellow, but like five meters, uh, like 20 meters down the road, it's fucking red. It's like, actually, my, my air is not clean. My air is not clean. And it's a really easy experiment, right? Go walking down the street or go for a run go for a run along the street and then walk into the one of the big parks in London, like Greenwich Park or something like that. And watch, you can actually feel the air quality change when you go into what is a, you know, like almost like a biodome of, uh, of filters when you run into the park where there's all these trees and everything. Like the air feels different immediately, especially when you're active and you're running and you're puffing and panting. You can feel how choked out you're getting when you step into the park and continue breathing. It's really shocking, actually. So it makes me question whether or not this is a good thing because ultimately it's a massive dump of pollution into the air of a city that absolutely does not need it. Um, but again, you know, bureaucrats get paid, corporations with the money you know, they talk the talk, um, they show the checks and, uh, and and they make the decisions ultimately, right? So it seems like it's going to be a done deal, but I know there are, I know there are some, some folks out there that are vehemently against it. And I'm, I can't say that I'm all for it, to be fair. Um, I think if you're going to add another one, like get rid of one of these other ones, like fucking Luton Airport is so terrible. It's so out of the way. It's such a ball ache. Like, okay, we should have we should have Gatwick, Stansted, and Heathrow, and City Airport, in my opinion. And that's plenty. That is plenty. You know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just want to bring it up because it just seems crazy. Um, it just seems crazy that... that you know, they're like, oh, we just do that. Don't don't really give a fuck about about anything else. Um, 
so so yeah so that that's it man fucking what else is going on what else is going on I'm just having a look yeah just be careful of the um just be careful of the false equivalency guys be careful of what you're comparing stuff to be careful of how how judgmental you are and, and where you draw your comparisons from and and don't be afraid to look back on history and and see the things that have come before because you know, it'll give you an indication of where things uh, have the ability to go again. And what we're looking at now is actually not unusual in the scope of history. It's not It's not something we haven't seen before. It's just something that hasn't been done uh, in this way uh, because we haven't had the outlets uh, that we currently have at our disposal. So it's causing us to, it's causing us to re-examine how we deal with it. And it's exacerbated by the fact that we are cultivating a society that has an attention span that is about four seconds long. Um, we have no, you know, we have less and less people now that are inclined or interested um, or capable of having an ongoing long tail discussion about about critical issues and and bringing nuance and context. And I know we bring those words up all the time on the podcast, but it's true. We have to bring we have to bring accountability to the system through context, nuance, fact, and historical evidence and historical um, examples of of what we don't want to happen again. So just be careful, man. Just be careful. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're being told. Um, and I know this is coming from an absolute you know off the cuff sounding board that is uh, that is this podcast. But you know it's like I've said to you guys before. I'm only trying to I'm only trying to say what's what's honest and what's true and not have an agenda for why I'm saying it other than it's right and it's factual and it needs to be addressed because if it's not it's a detriment to to all of us and that's that's why I'm doing this you know I, and again I've said kind of the mission statement before but it is why I'm doing this it's to cut through the nonsense it's to say like you know I, I've given you examples of like where I've stood up and said listen the news media is lying about what what they're claiming about Trump and his administration, like with the kids that went missing at the border, right? Like it's, that's false. The media were reporting false facts and false stories about that. But at the same time, we have to call him out on everything that he does the other way, right? We have to call him out on the fact that he's just come out and basically said, I'm a dictator. You can't touch me. I'm above the law. You cannot touch me, right? I'm not... Listen, if Donald Trump turned around and, and became, you know, a successful president and a uniter and, uh, you know, a foreign policy expert and turned America around and made the world a better place, I would be the first one in line with my hand up saying, can I eat up? Can I have a whole slice of that humble pie? Right. I was wrong. He is the man. He is doing great. He has turned America around. He has brought them together. He has solved this, that and the other thing. And I would give him all the credit in the world. Trust me, I would. But whilst this is happening, whilst they're blatantly lying to people, while he's basically running at the mouth, threatening. I mean, Rudy Giuliani yesterday said Trump could basically, as long as he didn't shoot Robert Mueller, he couldn't be touched. Or even if he did shoot Robert Mueller, he couldn't be touched or something like that. I mean... What the fuck kind of world are we living in? Like Giuliani, like used to be 
15 years ago, 10 years ago, he would have received a standing ovation for his birthday in Yankee Stadium. And he was he was greeted by nothing but booze and vitriol because of how he's changed and how he's cozied up to this person who is just going to fall on the wrong side of history in so many, so many examples and in so many cases um, and completely for his own doing. So... Where credit is due, like the the North Korea uh, pressure attack that he put on, like you know, I said, let's give him credit for that. He deserves some credit for that. He doesn't deserve a Nobel Peace Prize, but he deserves some credit for that. But at the same time, holding military exercises or lying to um, reporters about doing this, that, and the other, alienating groups of people, hold you know, having a disastrous immigration policy that's causing people to die in record numbers when they're only trying to get here to do something better with themselves or to get to America to do something better. Like these are terrible things and you'll fall down on the wrong side of history for them. But we have to, we have to be more critical in our thinking, more nuanced in our thinking so that we can hold people accountable for the things they need to be held accountable for. And we can understand where, we're being told fallacies and information that's being misrepresented so we can disseminate right from wrong and we can disseminate blatant lies and propaganda from honest mistakes and fact-checking errors. So on that note, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you probably for the rest of the week. Uh, this will go out most likely on Wednesday, uh, and this will be episode 38 and we're, you know, we'll keep on rolling along. Um, let me know if the audio in the last episode in episode 37 is good, bad or whatever, because like I said, we we're trying some equalization things, trying to smooth out the audio. Um, and I, I don't know what the end result's going to be yet, um, but I definitely want that feedback from you guys if there's a problem or if it's better or whatever. Uh, so I'm just debating whether or not to do a full 225 uh, breakdown for the UFC that's coming this weekend. I don't think I'm going to. I kind of broke it down. The only fight of real significance is the title fight um, and the co-main event, which is an interim title fight. Uh, other than that, I don't really feel like breaking down that whole card. It's a big card. It's going to be a great event, um, and there's going to be some great cards on it, uh, great fights on it, but uh, but I don't know. If, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I'll change my mind, and I'll do another one before, before the end of the week, but don't hold your breath on it. Either way, if I don't, I will come back on the next show, which will be next week, and I will do a breakdown of it. Um, but I think Robert Whitaker is going to beat you all Romero, keep the title, uh, just as an FYI. Um, and I hope Colby Covington gets his fucking head smashed in. Um, other than that, it's going to be a great card and that's all I'm going to say about it. So tune into that. It's, uh, again, it's 3 a.m. Uh, Brit British time on BT Sport 1 or 2. Uh, it's a 3 a.m. main card start. So you probably want to pop that on to record and watch it the next morning. Uh, 
But yeah, that's it, man. That's it. So we're going to wrap it. We're going to wrap it. So uh, so like I said, episode 38 in the books. Um, thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support. Download it on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Uh, update you. We have submitted back again to Spotify and we're waiting on a reply. So as soon as we have any info on that, we will update you uh, and we'll put it through the social media channels, uh, Twitter and Facebook as usual. So you can pick it up there. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a shout out, um, rate and comment the show through iTunes, uh, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud. Um, and that just helps show the love and helps us get, uh, discovered and, and found by more people like you, um, which is what we're doing this for. So that is a wrap. Um, We'll see you when we see you. That will either be later this week or it'll be early next week. But either way, it's been a pleasure. This is The Quiet Part Loud, episode 38. I'm your host, Daryl. Pleasure as always. And until next time, guys, all the best.